Live at Bar Canada inside the D Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. I've been watching a lot of TikTok, as I pointed out, and you all laugh at me. I've almost been here half my life. Wow, you're old. What are you talking about? You've been here know. more than half your life. Way more. You're old. True. I found out that it's actually R-E-A-D, not R-E-D. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Nights and Wild about to start up. Got the pitcher special down here at the D, Bar Canada, on Heineken and Coors Light. Some primers for the game coming in, Adam. First of all, Peyton Krebs. Peyton Krebs, NHL debut, number one pick from two years ago. Uh, came into the league injured, got healthy. Uh, he will make his debut tonight. Uh, for the Knights, he'll be on the third line. He will play center uh, between Alex Tuck and Nick Waugh. Uh, they are playing a forward short, as they have several times throughout this year. Uh, only 11 forwards active for the game uh, and only six defensemen, so they're just one guy short in the lineup completely. And uh, no Nosik, uh, no Reeve still. He's uh, still out. Uh, so even with Krebs, a guy short here. Uh, but Krebs is the big story, uh, certainly coming into this game, making his debut, see how he can play uh, if he continues to play over this last several games see if he's uh you know see if he's ready uh for what the nhl has to offer he's certainly been a dynamic scorer he as i said very talented uh, to be that number one pick robin leonard in net for the golden knights who have struggled against the minnesota wild for sure uh no uh no patch ready either he was hurt the other night a lot of uh, question marks around him and uh not out there so uh, jan mark will play on the top line alongside Stevenson and Stone, and uh, we'll see how long the injury keeps Max Petretti out. VGK, 36, 12, and 2, with teams still breathing down their necks, but only six games left, six and seven games left, respectively. Uh, Avs are, you know, one game, uh, whatever. They have seven games. The other two teams have six. So this is massive tonight. Two. You get this done, you're in very, very good shape. Uh, to prevent either team from catching it. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, we've talked all year about it, the importance of that one seed. It might not be as important now, although they have struggled with the Wild, so they probably don't want to be the two seed. Uh, but St. Louis is playing much, much better. And what you don't want is to go in against a very hot team, uh, like potentially St. Louis, uh, who is playing really well. Uh, Bennington is playing kind of out of his mind right now. So uh, that is a tough matchup. So there's really no easy playoff matchup that you can have out of the West. I still think you want the one. Uh, gives you home ice in that second round potentially against the Avalanche, uh, but maybe not as important to get the one as we once thought. But I do think they want to see what they can do to put that away. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Oof, Lakers. We were just talking about LeBron and AD returning. LeBron not available tonight. He tweaked ankle yesterday. They could be in the playing tournament. They could be in the playing tournament. They could. Which I think a lot of Laker fans were kind of cocky a couple weeks ago. They're like, yeah, hey, we're fine. We're not slipping. <laughs> like, no, now it's happened. Now it's happened. And now they get the bad break of something's going on with Schroeder. So he could be out for the rest of the regular season. And yeah, Dave McMenamin uh, with a LeBron James on the playing tournament tweet. 
quote, whoever came up with that ass needs to be fired. <laughs> so the, the people are kind of going both ways on this. I saw the first reaction uh, when LeBron said this. Well, well, let me read it one more time. Whoever came up with that ass needs to be fired. Whatever. <laughs> yes, I had to throw in the whatever. That was like, the key. Damn it. The key close uh, to that statement. So a lot of people came right back out and threw LeBron's quotes from last year back at him and was like, oh, all of a sudden you don't like this. Last year you said it was a great idea. Well, that's not entirely fair. So last year he did say it was a good idea. But last year was a very weird year, right? I mean, last year the season got stopped. And there was a bunch of teams that were trying to fight their way into the postseason that could have had those last couple of weeks to be able to make the postseason, and that got taken away. So his his statements last year were basically like, hey, there's a bunch of teams that had a chance to make the playoffs. They should probably have a way to play their way in. Like That's probably fair in a situation like this where you just end the season abruptly when you have a bunch of games left on the schedule. So that's what he was talking about. So if you say, like, well, he wanted this play-in tournament, he said it was a good idea in a very limited circumstance because three years ago when this idea was floated of potentially having a play-in tournament, LeBron essentially said the same thing he's saying now. It's stupid. Why would we even do that? Stop talking about it. Like, whoever even came up with this idea is an idiot. So he's he has been against this consistently. He just thought last year there should have been a way for teams to play their way in. Number four. Kentucky Derby, a ton of stars out there, including Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, our uh, guest in the 4 o'clock hour, Eric Wood, a Louisville guy, was hanging out as well. We tried to get some dirt from him on Aaron Rodgers. He said he wasn't exactly right near Aaron Rodgers. But the big issue over the weekend was uh, rich be, uh, rich people be acting rich. Like, what's, what's the problem? What's the problem with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers all dressed up in goofy fashion? Isn't that the event? Wouldn't you go and dress like a horse's ass? It's, it's like a... I think part of the event is that it's a freaking costume party. Would I? No. You would. You'd be into it. I don't think so. You wouldn't wear a seer sucker suit? As, not, as Eric Wood said he did years ago when he was uh, over 300 pounds? Not if I didn't wear one regularly. Would you wear a fancy hat at least? No. that's a, the, the girls do that, don't they? I don't think the guys wear weird hats. Yeah, they wear they hats. They wear like a derby. That, that was part of Brady's look was the hat. Right, but he didn't have like a crazy hat. He had like a very sensible normal fedora or whatever he was wearing what it you're sensible and normal i i don't even want to go down this path what do you think is the sensible and normal hat fedora i'll rock that what about a derby the one that's kind of curled up a little bit like a derby at the derby i think about that i always like those i don't have any but i always like those i just i mean actually no i do have a green derby for saint patty's day someone got that for me uh yeah i just don't i can't see myself participating in that sort of shenanigans you already blew your opportunity a couple of years ago at Raiders camp up in Napa. I did. They were, I mean, you're part of the reality show, and we told you you need to dress, I don't know, you know, just go like, just go with some gimmick. You well, could have gone. Uh, the plan was to dress like an old-timey reporter. Like wear a suit with, with like the hat and then have like the, you know, a media. That, that would be good. <laughs> sure. Right? Press on the hat. Press. Or you could have just gone with like a. Just a bright, just any any shade from the, the family of uh, highlighters and just gone with, like, the brightest suit. But then, you know, I just thought of something. One of the great bits of all time that I enjoyed was in boxing with Adrian Broner and his dad. Because Adrian Broner is pretty little. He's, like, 5'4". His dad's, like, 
5'2", but he's like 450 pounds. And his dad would come in and comb. He would just comb. Yeah. I think you like you at camp on that reality show, combing Grainy's hair would have been awesome. I was just thinking comb my own on the sideline. Just over and over again. Here was the problem. I kind of, I was kind of into this, and we talked about doing it and how it would be great. And then the reality set in of getting there, and, like, you'd be working until, like, midnight and then have to wake up at, like, 5.30, 4.30 to get to camp on time. There was really no time for, like, dressing up and doing an outfit. Like, you would just get there. It, so it was it was a little bit, um, it was a reality check of what tra- covering a training camp is. It's not like going up to Napa and hanging out. Like, that didn't really happen. So there was no no time to really get creative with the outfit. I was, like, waking up and I was like, am I even going to make it over there? So maybe next time I'll have a little bit better understanding where you just have to have the outfits ready before you get up there mm-hmm. and just have them laid out for, like, the whole camp. I don't know. Willie Ramirez seems to execute it. He does. You, you got to care about it, dude. Got to devote time to it. You got to get. I mean, you got to get up every day at like four o'clock. You got to, you know, take your vitamins, drink your milk like Hulk Hogan, and go to bed by eleven o'clock. Yeah, you'd have to get up at like two to do this, and I think Willie would. Number three. We talk about Aaron Rodgers and the crazy situation that exists. Who's right? Who's wrong? We you know we have uh, we have quote unquote owners texting us like you know going after Rodgers. Rodgers is right. And if they don't extend the olive branch here and work this out quickly, they're going to lose value in terms of what they get back for Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur, the coach, is in a terrible position. Uh, He said, quote, obviously it's pretty disappointing considering all the success we've had the past two seasons. The fact that we're in the spot is certainly not what I want. And as the writer here says, he's stuck in the middle. So that all said, the Sharks should be swimming. Right? How do you get them? How do you get them, Adam? How do you get them to the Raiders? What can you put together? What do you think the Packers want? Do they want a bridge to get to Jordan Love? Then Derek Carr would be perfect. Do they want just all future first-round picks? Do they want young players? What would you put together? you got to get him here. If he's available, you cannot be defeated in this pursuit of Aaron Rodgers. He has to be in Las Vegas. I mean, the story was, and who knows what the truth is and, and what's coming out, the story was they didn't want any players. And they didn't want a quarterback for sure. That if they do make the switch, then Love is the guy. And then what would you do? Now, I, I thought off the top, like when I first heard it, I was like, okay, Carr in three first. Um, but now the draft's over. So the Packers are going to take future assets? Like, that seems kind of crazy to me. Uh, I did think the Broncos taking corner in the first round which made zero sense to me seemed like a pick for the Packers what then, made then, sense was what a quarterback the Packers, the Packers went that direction too no no they took a no, corner I'm saying, what made sense for the Broncos taking a quarterback instead uh we'll take well first of all I would say, I would say taking a linebacker was what they really needed they could okay. have taken Parsons um corner was a was definitely not an area of need and now I I'm against drafting need anyway I think you should always just draft the best player and if they believe he's the best player then that's fine but to me, it seemed like a perfect pick for the Packers uh, in a, to turn that into uh, a trade at some point down the road. Uh, we'll see We'll see what they want and what the asking price is and what other teams are going to give. I mean, the asking price is whatever you can get. And so if some team is going to give them five first, then that's the asking price. That's what, that's what it is. I think a legitimate, you know, good quarterback in car to go along with three first-round picks – 
probably makes sense from both sides. Uh, and I don't know if the Raiders would say, oh, it's only it's Carr and two, or it's Carr and a defensive player and two picks. or could, I, I don't know. Could the Broncos put together a package with Drew Locke, a guy who is not going to cost as much money, still has some upside. He can be a bridge. You know, whether he works out or not, doesn't matter. Give time to love. And they have some younger assets who are attractive if you're going to get players. Give, like, Carr, or excuse me, uh, Locke, Judy, two firsts. Locke, Judy, Sertan, two firsts. Locke, Sutton, Sertan, two firsts. Carr and which players match that? Carr, Ruggs. Jacobs, Wait, three first. Like all the confidence went out of your voice. I know, because I don't. That's what? I said when this came up the other day. Yeah. When they said it's either the Raiders or the Broncos, and somebody said, "Oh, that's interesting." I said, "Wow, Broncos got them." Because I, I just feel like that they, they could put together a better package. I don't know if, if the Raiders could add an extra first. I guess. Say, so how about Car and four first? Like I don't know, and and how much would be too much? Like to me, I think. I think if there's any deal that can be done, I think Gruden would do it because I just think he wants to win, and that's a surefire way to win. I think he would just say, "Okay, fine." Like you're not going. What are the chances that you hit on something as good as Aaron Rodgers with the next four first round picks? Almost none. So that makes some sense to me. But he is 37. Like you are basically saying, "Okay, we have a window of four years or three years if we make this deal." But I think the Raiders might take that. Top two stories. Number two. Did you uh, you follow up on this Kiefer note on Alec Ingold? Ingold in Cleveland presenting. Apparently, he's having water issues. He can't get the water turned on at his new home in Henderson. It's nice to be in Cleveland. We had some I know. That's what I was thinking. Like, hey, at least I'm going to get out of town while I'm having a water snafu. Uh, I mean, I I don't know much about the water issue at his house. Uh, it does sound like a nightmare. If you don't have water, it always is. Well, you can you can get one utility company holding out, and then your whole plan to move in to a house or an apartment is just blown to bits. It's probably nice to be able to go to the facility, though. It's a good point, actually. Real good point. Much much nicer than most people would have would be stuck in. I wonder where his Henderson home is. I got to tell you, Henderson folks, I don't know what is going on with Eastern getting up to Anthem, Lordy. Lordy, how do you do that all the time? It's a bit of a nightmare. I uh, I drove out there on Thursday. I had to go hit a spot in Anthem, and then the SO went out there because we're we're not Henderson people. We know people in Henderson. You know, you're, you're good people. Sure. Now, her parents live in Henderson, and I lived in Henderson for a long time. But she said the same thing. She was like, "Just the path to get down." And I'm sure people are going to tweet in like, "That's not the way to go." But the path to get down, Eastern. To get to uh, the 215, what has happened? It's a living hell. I yeah, I try to avoid it as much as possible. I, it's awful. It's not. It's. I mean, it's maybe near- the what? Maybe the water company is worried they can't get back down. Maybe they they're sent- like, we know the traffic. We got to push it out ten days. They sent somebody last Wednesday, and they're still not <laughs> they're, there. They're not back yet. Yeah, that's possible. You people are crazy. Well, I listen. It's it's my area, but I don't live right there. And I try to not be around there very often. But I, I got to tell you, if I lived in Henderson and I was not a sports fan, and I'm like, oh, the Raiders facility, the property there, the uh, you know the minor league facility, like other services. 
Roads. And I'm sure the, the roads will be blamed on the county in that case, but you get my point. I don't know what they're going to do, but it's it's a little messy. It, it is. If, if you're driving if you're driving up Eastern or down Eastern right now, sorry. Trying, trying to go to and from Anthem, sorry. enjoy the show because you're going to be able to hear the end of it. Cut across. <laughs> Cut across. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. But, but then even if you go, like, if you take, like, St. Rose from Eastern to try to get over toward, like, the district, forget it there, too. At certain times of the day, just forget it. You have no shot. We feel for you. Like I said. I mean, we laugh at we, you. We, 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 all, we all used to live over there. We did. At some point. But we don't anymore. And I think that's the thing. When we when we do drive over there, well, first of all, I can't afford Anthem. But um, when I do drive over there, I'm like, wow, this has changed. Wow, they built this up a it's, lot. It's, it's very different. And uh, there's so much, so much. Of a, like, that was like the end of town. Now it's the middle of town, which is crazy. I told when I when I was first getting here to town, uh, you remember um, – Badger, Scott Hodges, oh, yeah. he used to work at Sportsman Radio Network. He lived near 215 and Eastern, right? A couple of blocks up there. And I remember driving, like, underneath the 215, and there was a, a 7-Eleven there, and that, that was it. Just stopped. Yeah. Like, wow, we, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Sure. Now that's, that 7-Eleven is, like, your destination to get down to freaking hill and, you know, get anywhere else in the valley. It's crazy. Traffic talk on Cofield and Company. Right in the middle of town. Oh, he's fascinating. Crazy. Like, we're worried about Alec Ingold. Come on. Let's go. Come Water on, Alec. Company. Get the guy some water. That's Top story. Number one. Man, there were mostly C's and B's for the Raiders and what they did in the draft. There was a D out there, though, right? There was, yeah, there were some poor grades. And like I said, most most spots, a lot of spots at least. I thought the problem with the D, did the athletic overall give him a D? Uh, I didn't see a grade. I just saw a ranking of teams 1 to 32. Right. And they had them 30th. Okay, but... You know, with with all of you guys doing the grades, a lot a lot of that comes down to what you think of the players individually. Of course. So, like I saw, whoever the the draft analyst is on Malcolm Kuntz, like he gets picked 79th. He's the 200th player on that guy's board. Well, that's gonna that's gonna make the Raiders look like crap. Sure. Uh, Vinny Iyer gave him a D. I did give him. That's right. Yeah, He's sporting uh, what, a sporting news guy. Yeah. They got the D. Take uh, it easy. Said Leatherwood is a big time reach uh, versus taking an edge or an outside linebacker there. Uh, Merrick was an awesome pick, but then the Raiders went inexplicably safety happy with an overrated linebacker in between. Despite interior offensive line and defensive tackle being glaring needs, only their final pick addressed either position. In relation to the Chargers, Chiefs, and Broncos faring so well in this draft, uh, this was an awful overall haul before hosting the event next year. What do you think? Uh, What is the the glaring need that do you think they, they needed to address both inside, both interior? Uh, slots, whatever, on uh, offensive line and defensive line, some guards and some defensive tackles? I thought so, but I, I, I also thought they did. Listen, when they addressed two needs, the two most glaring needs in the starting lineup with the first two picks, you can say what you want about Leatherwood. I would have taken Derisaw, but you, you took a tackle. Uh, and then you got a safety, which I thought was the best safety in the draft. That was a great pick in the second round. And then you had, a, you had some chances to just take some good players and not worry about needs necessarily – and I thought they should go very defensive heavy, just a bunch of guys on the defensive side, and I thought they should address some depth on the interior of the offensive line, which I thought they did with Morrissey in the seventh round, and then they just added a bunch of defensive players, uh, safeties that you uh, think could could be impact players that you think could play, um, especially you know Gillespie getting some competition directly for Abram. Uh, you take Kuntz who can get to the, get to the passer. Uh, I thought they did a pretty good job in terms of 
the areas that they drafted. Now, again, you can disagree with some of the players that they took, uh, but the areas that they drafted I thought were pretty right. More on the draft class individuals, uh, what the Raiders took in this draft, and we are on the clock. 2022 is right around the corner for Vegas and the NFL. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Bar Canada, inside the D. So members of the LVCBA went to Cleveland to check out the draft to see if they could pick up some ideas. You think they got any good ones? Yeah, don't have it in Cleveland. Besides that, I set you up for that one. Uh, well, I mean, on a more humorous, good Lord, there's all kinds of trouble with uh, Leonard in this game so far. Yeah, what's his, going on here? He, I mean, he, he gave up a crazy goal uh, where he lost a stick and then made like a bunch of saves, got it back. Couldn't get a stop. Yeah. Are they, what's, the, what's the score now? Are they still have 2-1? No, it's 2-2 now. He lost his stick and made about four saves without it. Right. They finally threw it back to him, but he caught it um, He caught it upside down, so he was trying to play with the stick upside down. It didn't work. And now here, there's a blast. Then the Knights rallied with two in a row. There's a blast from the top, and it, uh, it popped out of his glove, and somebody tapped in the rebounds, and now it's 2-2. Um, kind of a, a bit of a, a nightmare start there for Leonard, who had – I think he's given up more than two goals just once since he returned from his injury. Uh, and he's given up two here in the first eight minutes. So usually gives up one early and then settles in. Here's given up two early, see if he settles in from here. Uh, but, yeah, there's been a lot, a lot of wild plays. And the Knights answered the first one uh, with a uh, Shea Theodore shot where Yadmark had an unbelievable screen uh, on the on the keeper, and, and he never saw it, and they tried to challenge for goaltender interference and lost. The Knights got a power play and the score on that. So just a wild start here, 2-2, eight minutes in with the Golden Knights and the Wild. But in terms of uh, Cleveland, I mean, there's nothing they can do. It's Cleveland. They had bad weather. I'm sure the you know, the LCBA is like, all right, let's hope that doesn't I also, happen. I didn't sure. even think the setting was that cool, and I'm not sure that they have a cool set. The backdrop looked like, eh. It was okay. I mean, it's kind of an, you know, it's an industrialized area. On the lake there. I thought it was interesting uh, in the RJ story. There's a quote here. How do we weave the draft further across Las Vegas? That's really what you want to do. I wonder, first of all, the location they were planning last year. Kind of behind the Flamingo, behind the link. I wonder if they're going with that again. I think that area is too small. Yeah, probably for the main stage. But then, where does it go? I mean, you can I don't do. Know. It just seemed. It just seemed. It just seemed too small. It. I have no idea what the possibilities are on the strip, up and down the strip. But it just. It feels like you want like a canyon, to like have people go way the hell back. Sure. Um, I mean, I would propose. And here's the other problem: is like the different, um, you know, different jurisdictions. Yep. Like. Where they do Life is Beautiful downtown would be pretty cool, I think. It's not a great scene necessarily. Oh, I think it's got to be on It's got to be on and around the Strip. Caesars is, is the partner right. on this. Right, that's what I'm saying. So you can't. It, it becomes difficult in that regard because, like, the Rock and Rio stage, that's an unbelievable spot too. And it's, like, right on the Strip. There could be some cool views there. It's not near the 
major casinos, but it's on Las Vegas Boulevard, and there's a ton of space. You can do something very cool with that space, I think. Um, but I, uh, the reason that it's there is, yeah, you're right, because of Caesars and because of it's right in the middle of the strip, and you get the, you know, the high roller and the casinos that are right around that area, which is why you want to do it down there. Uh, but I don't know if it, it is the a big enough area for what they want to do. There's just there's just a lot of there's problems and there's benefits and problems everywhere. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be. Well, I mean, we're nitpicking. I wanted to be as cool as possible. Well, On the way back, we'll tell you what Raiders team president Mark Bedane said about next year's draft. Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Hanging at Bar Canada inside the D, it's Cofield and Company. Not bad, right? Not bad. Wonderful. Was that you? No, that was actually uh, the Vegas Golden Knights announcer, Mark. Okay. In, in arena uh, host? Yes, yes. One of the many Golden Knights announcers. Yes. Sure. The town crier, Mark, uh, has apparently, I didn't know this, has uh, a big performing background going all the way back to New York. And uh, he's got a place slightly on the west side called The Space. And uh, they did a show last night. It was really cool. That was actually audio from last night. He was doing uh, Hakuna Matata. Makata. I can't even say it. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. Um, he, no he, he was in Lion King on Broadway years and years and years ago. Yeah. Um, and they had, it was great. They had a, uh, like a 12-piece orchestra and then a ton of singers doing all the Disney songs. It was awesome. And the reason it was awesome is that, like, performers haven't had a chance to do anything. We have a friend who's in, in this orchestra who's a percussionist. She hadn't played anything in front of a crowd in, like, 14 months. So it was cool. Was she okay? Did she, did she uh, mess up the, the beat? Uh, no, it was all great. Okay. It was all great. Yeah. She, said, she actually said that when they were doing sound check, she actually got a little emotional because it was, like, such a rush just to be back to get to perform. Sure. Like, you forget. And the shows are slowly coming back. Like you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of freaking brilliant performers around Las Vegas and who come in from out of town who haven't had a chance. To, they haven't worked. So the fact that they were able to do it, it's, very, it's a small space. They have room for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I think they allowed in like 100. Um, but it was cool. Yeah, yeah. We were like right on top of them. And uh, there were celebrity MCs there. So that was cool. It's a good show, and I like Disney music. So everyone, every time I talk about Disney, people are like, "You really such a curmudgeon." I'm like, come on, who, who doesn't? Who doesn't like a exactly? Good Disney song? Exactly. Alex Tuck goal, by the way, three two goal. Wow, this is, that, this is nuts. So yeah, that was cool. Um, did you do anything this weekend? Did you uh, aside <laughs> from the draft? Were you? Uh, well, you were out and about. You were oh. out and about. Uh, yeah, it was draft, 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 and then. Uh, I but did. you were around crowds for the derby and for the draft, and sure. I uh, checked out UFC on Saturday night. You reacted, right? Okay, but that was a closed environment, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean that restaurant time at all? Bars? You had no time to eat? No time to go out? I stopped by a uh, local restaurant uh, late, late Saturday, early Sunday. And how was that? As we're opening things up, 
Uh, good. The place that I've been a couple times, but yeah, it was it was good that it was kind of normal-ish um, in there. Not not crowded, but you know, definitely you know people out and, and about. It's always good to see for sure. And it's getting closer and closer now to you know being we're about a month away from actually being like a hundred percent if everything goes well for the next month, which is cool. You realize how spoiled we've been this whole time, and we said it at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, we were doing shows like in my backyard when the studios were closed. But the fact that we, both of us, got to keep doing our job, oh, yeah. it, it's so lessened the blow as compared to other people. Oh, yeah. That's why it sure. hit me last night. I'm like, man, these, like a lot of these people have not performed in a year. This is what they do. Oh, there's no question. You're not going to yeah. go up and do, you know, we're like a, we're doing a podcast to, you know, try to expand the horizons a little bit, right? Just in case anything happens, I got a podcast. Um, you're not, you know, if you're some Broadway singer, Freaking Ariel from well, the Little Mermaid, you know, sitting there belting of singing at home. That is one of the industries. I mean, you know, there's obviously ancillary industries tied to it too. But when we say, oh, you know, back when it was locked down, we were never locked down. Vegas was never locked down. America was never locked down. There's no lockdowns. But there were certain industries that weren't able to do anything. Live entertainment being one of them for sure. I mean, and there was a very few people that were able to figure out ways to. Um, you know, perform and, and make a living in, you know, over Zoom and Instagram Live and that sort of thing. But it's very few and far between. There was no live audiences anywhere. So that is one industry that truly was locked down uh, that weren't able to do anything. It's, it's, it's cool to, to be on the verge of having, you know, an ability to get back out there and do that again. It was neat. It was definitely neat. Uh, we just talked about the draft. Uh, Mark Bedane talking about the draft next year because we have it next year. Uh, Bedane said, I think the Bellagio Fountains will still remain a big part of the event. Uh, Caesars Plaza will remain a big part of the event. And uh, as much as they want to use Allegiant Stadium as part of the event, we'll be on board. Yeah, I I think that'll be uh, a a very central piece of it. I think that there was a lot of different places they were trying to plan. Uh, I was at a bunch of those uh, government meetings last time of you know, trying to decide what streets to shut down and what venues to use and what areas would be a part of it and all those things. And there were so many different, you know, aspects uh, to the, you know, to the setup, to where the draft was going to be, to the ways that things were used. And there was definitely a, a draft party over at Allegiant this time. It was very limited. I think it was about 1,000 people that were there for Thursday night to watch the first round. Uh, but next year, I think it'll be a massive part of it. And I, I imagine uh, outside will be used for, you know, some element of it where we can see the stadium and have that be a part of it. But then the inside uh, where I think will be probably full with Raiders fans that are watching the draft from inside Allegiant Stadium. It's going to be so many people coming to Vegas for that event. It's going to be one of the biggest events we've had here. I found it funny that you, uh, I think, maybe maybe you were going back and forth with them, but one of our P1s, Sean, was was reacting to, uh, were you guys making comments on how many of the Raiders who were drafted had never been to Vegas before? Yeah. Well, it, there, there's one media person who... Same question every time? Just asked that question pretty much to everyone. Sure. But then we started getting a, a sense like, wait, every single player says the same thing. I've never been there. Uh, so I started picking it up and asking some of the players myself because I was like, well, now I'm interested. But it actually makes some sense. I mean... Look, a lot of these guys have turned 21 the last year and a half when you really couldn't travel, especially if you're trying to play college football and then now now go to the NFL. You really couldn't travel much at all. 
because of that. So it would make some sense that you've never been here. Now, in the NBA, it's a lot different. I would imagine every NBA draftee has been here because this is the home of high school basketball. And it's the home of AAU basketball where every, every prospect comes and plays. Uh, so that's a little bit different. It, it's not really the, it doesn't work the same in the NFL where guys are coming here for all-star games and things like that all the time. So that is a different element of it. But, yeah, it was kind of, kind of weird that uh, every single player was asked, like, you know, what's your favorite thing about Vegas? Or, you know, what are, you, what are you looking forward to about Vegas? And it was like, well, I don't know. I've never been there. I think uh, Divide Diablo said uh, that he's never been, but he's heard that the food is really good and he can't wait to eat here. So that was a good perspective. All right. Could have used that for the fat pack segment, I guess. Okay. You came here at what age? What was your first time here? Uh, 12. To visit or was that the move? Move. Yeah. yeah I wasn't here until my mid-20s when I, I traveled out uh, to drop off a friend, and that was the first time I was here. I mean, if you're from the East Coast, it's not, it's not a family vacation spot. Yeah. So it's not like my parents were going to jet out here and – you know, just leave my dad getting hammered at a craps table while we sit in the room. Well, like I said, it sounds kind of funny at first. <laughs> that would be that'd be great. It'd be a great trip. Um, it sounds funny at first, but when you think about it, yeah, it's absolutely reasonable and logical why a lot of these guys have never been here. Yeah, it's a it's it's not the uh, the first place you think of for uh, kid friendly, which is fine, which is fine. I almost blurred it out. We don't want you here. No, we want everyone. We want here. everyone. Now we need everyone here. So come over. We're going to be cool with it. Yes. Anybody that wants to come can come now, especially if you're vaccinated. So you said the uh, the lowest grades came on the Raiders draft from the Athletic and from the Sporting News. I saw I saw Kuiper actually like the pick of Koontz, yeah. which I think is interesting. I just saw uh, Ted Wynn, who does a lot of film work up on Twitter, was just showing a, a sack that he had. I mean, you know, it's against a college left tackle, but he destroyed him. Who's the guy who went third on down? Who's most intriguing to you? Because they're they're looking to find they they're looking to find just in general defensive players. They don't necessarily have positions set for these dudes because a lot of them are tweeners. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you said defensive. I was about to say Morrissey was pretty intriguing to me. Well, tell uh, us why he's the center. Went the seventh. Yeah, he went the seventh round from Pitt. He was a walk on and a guy who just you know just. Never really had the talent, and even in the draft process, they looked at him and like, well, he played well. He was a really good player in college, but he's a walk-on, and, you know, he's not overly athletic, doesn't have, you know, much explosion. He just played really well. And I think that, especially for a seventh-round pick, a guy that's, un, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of expectations coming in, like, us, oh, so let's see what he can do, I think is going gonna, is gonna to be a kind of guy that stands out and, and really – you know, grinds his way and tries to make it at the next level. I think that is a that's an intriguing pick. I, I think that Nate Hobbs pick is pretty interesting, the corner out of Illinois, just because the the measurables are really good. And talking to him, I just, just like instantly just love the kid. Um, got a, you know good backstory. I say good. I mean, you know, he's got a, he's had a lot of uh, a lot of tragedy in his life that he's kind of worked through and. Um, was really emotional about getting drafted. But then, you know, you look at him and you're like, this guy should be really, really good. And the tape in college says he's just not. And he's never been able to put it all together. So maybe you come to the NFL and you can do it. Now he's really, really physical as a corner, and he can run, and he's got good size. So it sounds like the Raiders want to try to move him inside 
and they think that that will help him and that they can work with him and make him make him better. Uh, but he just he should be better based on what's on paper than what well, he's been on the field. I mean, so much of this is about projectability right. and also confidence in your coaching staff, and that's why we heard so much about Cable loving Alex Leatherwood. Yeah. There are guys at certain programs who, you know, the the money – I don't want to go down the path of, like, ripping a certain assistance, but, you know, not ever – I mean, we, you can go as high as the elite quarterbacks. There, there's a lot of NFL people will tell you with – you know, the elite quarterbacks. I mean, that was Colin Coward's line all the time with Sam Darnold. He's like, eh, you know, I mean, the coaching at USC, it's good, but it's not. You know, they think he's going to come to the NFL and be great. Unfortunately, the coaching with the Jets was not about, any better. About the same, and they didn't so, do anything to help him. I think, I think he's going to get help by Joe Brady, who seems to be a, a phenom as the, uh, you know, the O coordinator. So he certainly put Joe Burrow in a different direction. You know, it's interesting. On, on the first rounders, I was just looking at some numbers that were put out. Um, these are the times when you look back uh, at previous drafts when you see like how a guy turned out through the first three or four years of his career and you see what they did with that fifth year option the first round let's go back to the 18 draft Colton Miller option sort of picked up he got an extension right yeah. so including him 21 of the 32 players in the first round had their option picked up which sounds great but that still means a third of the players, these are supposed to be starters and franchise guys. A third of them still didn't work out enough that they even got the next contract. Right. Yeah. It's pretty crazy The what a crapshoot it is. Now, from there, nine of the top ten and 18 of the top 20 had it picked up. Uh, four of the five quarterbacks in that first round that year had it picked up. Josh Rosen is hanging on by a thread just to be in the league. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's why a lot of people look at the the first round as two different rounds like the first round is to a lot of people like one through 16 and usually those guys are going to be good enough like that's the blue chip guys that are going to be good enough for the most part to get their contracts picked up after the fourth year but don't you feel like the 20 through 32 there's organizations that you trust and there's others sure. you're like they're not gonna make the right pick sure there because there are organizations that have been consistently in that 20 to 32 range and generally come away with some kind of player that can contribute. Well, that's why they stay there. Yep. That's why they stay in that range, because they're better at this than other teams, and they're they're smart. Like I, I said earlier, I I believe the Browns are that now. Wow. Like I believe the what Browns are at that level because because he's such a such a I mean genius literally. He's a literal genius. Uh, but I think just he gets it. He understands it. He's su- he's such an analytics guy. Uh, that he's brought that to to football, and I think he's really good at it. I think the Titans are one of those teams, but based on what's happened last year at the draft and this year, I'm starting to doubt it. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 1030. It's John Von Tobel and Adam Hill with their Smarter Than You podcast. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Grab Bag today is brought to you by our pals at Nova Home Loans. You know all about the uh, lumber shortage. That means that new homes aren't being built. Existing homes, the values are going through the roof. That means it's time to launch into action with Nova Home Loans. You get that mortgage tune-up, less than 30 minutes. They're going to tell you how much your house has appreciated. With that equity, you could use it for home improvement, pay off all those bills, 
that potentially mounted during the pandemic or just mounting debt in general. You hear Dustin on the show on Tuesdays, and he's like, yeah, let's get that debt taken care of. But you got to make the call first, 877-700-NOVA, 877-700-NOVA. It's Nova Home Loans. Give them a call. Do what I did. I took money out of the house, dropped my payment, dropped my rate. They're awesome. Nova Home Loans, 877-700-NOVA. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Got to do your homework, right? Got to do your homework if you're going to uh, get the mortgage tuned up. And, uh, well, they'll do the homework for you. Speaking of, I think the Titans are a really good organization, but I'm not sure it got enough attention. The saga of their first-round pick a year ago. Like, imagine being that's, – that's your local team. Imagine the Raiders taking a potential starting offensive lineman at, what was it, 29 in the last draft, and he's gone. And the whole thing imploded. They bounce back this year, and which round was this in? Fourth. Their fourth-round pick? It's charged with what? Rashad Weaver. Uh, one count of civil assault in connection to an incident that happened – Two weeks ago. So the investigation oh was ongoing while they're waiting for the draft. And now that the draft has happened, the Pittsburgh police have charged him. I don't know that there's a correlation between the time he was charged and uh, the draft. But they do wait till right after the draft and they charge him. Details are kind of weird on this one. Uh, there was a witness. There was a woman that was laying on the ground. He wasn't there. A witness said that he had punched her and then left. Another witness said, I don't think he punched her. I just saw her on the ground. Uh, so a lot of miscommunication about exactly what went down here but apparently there's enough evidence to at least charge him here and we'll wait on the outcome uh but people are certainly saying well titans what are you doing last year you obviously had an oversight in your in terms of your uh research on a prospect and this year you draft somebody with this going on could be something happening there uh raiders did have their you know situation last year drafting a player that they got rid of before the season started but this is two years in a row for the Titans. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Are the Raiders all done? No. What else could they sign? Oh, I think there's definitely the, the possibility of Richard Sherman out there. Uh, there's definitely like a you know, Casey Hayward still being out there. Like Melvin Ingram, I still think is not signed yet. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Melvin Ingram's still available. Yeah. What about more experience in the offensive line? To back up, I mean, they kind of need another Denzel Good, really. Yeah. But, I mean, Incognito's not a spring chicken. He's pushing, what, 38? Aaron Rodgers is still available. Well, but 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 let's deal with what they have right now. I mean, you, you assume Leatherwood's going to start somewhere. But they didn't have a lot of depth. Well, they had some depth last year, and then it got really, really thin. And they did just clear out their freaking line of, the, you know, a lot of the experienced players. Yeah. Don't they have to get someone who's... I'm not saying it's this guy Charles Leno from the Bears, but, you know, they got to be in the market for someone. I would think so. Okay. I mean, they don't have a ton of money to do it. They don't have a ton of flexibility, but you can always find ways. We know the Chiefs have signed like 100 guys, and they had no money. Right. Uh, so you can figure it out. But, yeah, I would, I would think you'd want some more veteran pieces. I mean, you've, you know, who knows what they're doing at center. They, like we said, they brought in Morrissey here. They have Andre James back. They bring in Nick Martin. I don't know who's going to start there, but at least they've got some depth. Um, but outside, you know, the tackle position is not a whole lot of depth. And at the guard position, as you said, you've got an, an older guy who's hurt most of last year who, you know, is, they're being they're going to count on to play every single game. Depth could be a, a real factor. 
I don't know. The more, I, there, the more I thought about it, because I always, you know, now I've been saying, hey, Raiders, you know, try to move forward. Dare to be the Golden Knights. <laughs> right? Be aggressive. I mean, they were. They really were on the offensive line. I mean, when in recent NFL history has a team said, you know what, we're getting, that's it. We're out from under the, the right guard, the right tackle, and the center. Ooh, and we're, 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 we're going to reinvent it because we know we have guys in-house and we're going to get guys from outside. They did it. That's what the Knights do. It's risky. We'll see if they did it right. It's risky, but we'll see how it works out. I mean, it's great if it works out really well. And if, if you play, if you have a good offensive line next year and you're like, hey, we got cheaper and younger and got better, that's great. Come on down here to the D of our Canada. We're watching the rest of the Golden Knights game. you got beer specials on Heineken and on Coors Light. We'll see you. Thanks, Angel.